You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Full house again today. Mark, Maddie, Michael, Gordy. Good afternoon. Good morning, everybody, depending on what time zone you're in. How are we all doing on this lovely uh, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon? Lovely. Lovely. Is it snowing in Canada? I'd like to start with a weather report. Michael Gordy, is it, has, is it snowing <laughs> up there yet? Uh, it snowed a couple weeks ago, but right now it's pretty nice. It's just not right at all. It's like it shouldn't snow until like February. That's just <laughs> gross. I went outside today. It's 70 and sunny. So hooray for me. So awesome. Anyway, enough with the weather. That's your matchsticks and gasoline weather report for this Wednesday. Uh, we're here to talk about the Calgary flames. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, uh, the flames are O one and one with a, um, Pretty ugly performance on Saturday night in a 5-2 loss to Edmonton. And then a, I don't know if it was ugly. It was more just like, ugh, really? Losing to Anaheim uh, in overtime, uh, 3-2 loss earlier this week. Um, anybody, hop right in. Opinion so far and what you've seen on the ice in Calgary's two. I know it's not a big uh, sample size, but uh, thoughts? First game was just dumb. Thank you. That's that's all I have to say. It was just dumb. All right. Let's talk about the first game then. Uh, Gordy, Michael, your opinions on, I know there's a lot of uh, polarizing opinions. I think you either liked Saturday or you didn't like Saturday. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I think me and Mike are, we're in the same boat on this one because we had a hockey game right at the time the Flames played. But all I know is I showed up at the rink right as Derek Ryan stabbed a knife in my back. And then I left the arena as I think, it was McDavid that got the empty net, right? So, yeah, that's all I got from that game was the beginning and end on the radio. But I saw they put, like, 45 shots and lost. So, I th- I assume it was very similar to game number two. Uh, Michael, <laughs> I know you, you, you had a game, but what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure they played okay, but just with the Sutter style of hockey, like that's great if you can defend even strength, but as soon as you take any penalties against the Oilers, like their power play is going to score at least two on you. So I don't know. I fully, it was opening night. We knew they were going to lose anyways. I really wish they stopped scheduling the Oilers on opening night. Cause like, I hate giving them a free two points. Like why couldn't it be like Tampa or something or somebody you don't care about? But yeah, I, I wasn't too upset just cause I expected it, but also like I could have been better too. I wish they would just stop scheduling opening night. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they play. Just get rid of it. Just take the L and move on to game two. Maddie, see, you and I uh, watched that disaster. And um, what I liked was Calgary's second period. They played really well. They had good jump. They they forced the pace of play. They looked good. Uh, they had some good quality shots. The third period just seemed like it was a hot mess. Like nobody knew what they were doing. Um the first period was my big gripe with that game. And everybody loves that tough rock'em, sock'em, 
you know, throw checks, get in people's faces, look tough. But um, the Flames tried to look tough in that first period and ended up looking stupid. Um, they tried to be physical. Rasmus Anderson, I don't care what he says, he headbutted uh, Kyler Yamamoto. Uh, he got a double minor. He's $5,000 lighter in the wallet for his efforts for that. They just looked like they wanted to fight at every every second of the game. And Edmonton loved every second of it. The Oilers got what they wanted out of it. They got the Flames on the heels. They got the Flames playing dumb. And um, I just, I didn't like that first period at all. I know um, you and I, Maddie, are definitely in the minority because Twitter was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, you guys know they're losing, right? They're not playing well, right? Is similar feelings now, maybe? Yeah, totally. And it's like, it's one thing if, the Oilers were running around taking cheap shots and they're the flames are responding and standing up for each other and like doing that whole thing. But if you're the ones just running around and trying to, I don't know, impose yourselves physically for reasons, um, the Oilers are going to run with that. Like they want to get the penalties and get themselves on the power play to make you look stupid. So like, congrats, you accomplished that. Right. Like watching Chris Tanov have his back turned to, you know, the greatest hockey player on the planet on a playing on the power play and just leaving him wide open for a goal. And then Noah Hannafin doing the exact same thing the next time they had a power play. Watching McDavid, just five points for McDavid. Uh, Dry Saddle, I think, had three. Pugliari might have had three. Like Edmonton's best players imposed their will on Calgary, and that was the end of it. So we'll flush that game down the toilet and hope that never happens. And by the way, the the thing that led to Anderson getting in that scrum with Yamamoto, picking up the double minor, picking up the five thousand dollar fine, you know, he thought his goalie got slashed in the throat. And what actually ended up happening was a Flames player lifted a stick up, which hit um, Jacob Markstrom in the throat. So just might want to take it down a level. Take it down a notch and try to play hockey, which they did in the second period. Anyway, moving on. Uh, the Ducks, 3-2. Uh, Calgary looked like they ran were running away with that game. They weren't going to score 100 goals, obviously. But um, the Flames looked like they were in charge for that entire set. I said they looked like the Ducks looked like a team that had played like 15 straight on the road and flew from Florida to Calgary to play that night. Uh, Gordy and Michael, uh, your thoughts on the Flames' 3-2 loss to Anaheim. There was some good. There was some bad, right? Yeah, for sure. It, it felt like one of those games where if you if the Flames weren't going to put another one in, the Ducks were going to eventually come back, and that's exactly what happened. You know, if if Markstrom maybe doesn't give up a pretty weak one to start, I think, on the power play, that's not a great goal to give up to Fowler, then you have a 2 nothing lead, and maybe them not scoring again is more okay. But, you know, they held on to a one-goal lead for over a period. I think it was Raquel that tied it, and yeah, 45 shots again doesn't mean much when you don't get that second point. And it's going to be a long season if they if they don't figure out how to start putting the puck in the net when they need to. Michael, we all knew Sutter hockey wasn't going to be a lot of uh, 6-3, 6-5, you know, big-time goal-scoring games. But two, game, two goals against Edmonton, two goals against Anaheim. There needs to be more, right? Well, yeah, definitely. But I think we have to look at like they probably deserved at least one, if not two more against the Ducks. And like Gordy was kind of saying, I was watching the game with some friends and kind of just kept feeling like, okay, they're playing great. This is great, but they're only up to one. Like all it takes is one small mistake. And that just happened to be that really bad line change and coverage with the forward coming back that let the Ducks tie it. And then you get to three on three and as good as some of the flames are in three on three, like again, it's a coin flip. And then you end up with one point instead of two. So 
they're going to need more this year. I think if they kind of play the same way they have the first two games, like they're they're bound to get more. Like eventually you're going to regress positively, I guess is how you would say it. Mm-hmm. And like I think they're due for some bigger games. Like they probably will. Like those, but those kind of games are going to happen every year, especially the Ducks game. Like there's going to be games where you lose that you should have won, and vice versa. So I'm not too upset by. It, but yeah, like if they could have just got one more, I feel like at any point, either second or third period, that might've just been enough to kind of coast from there based on how dominant they were pretty much from the start of the second period through the rest of the game. Uh, watching that game. Um, and I know it's, you know, two games in not a lot of preseason action, but anybody concerned that Ryan gets looked faster than Sean Monahan on the ice uh, the other night, Maddie. Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's early. He's still coming back from major surgery. So like, it's very possible that it's just going to take him some time to get back up to speed. But you know, he's, he's not super young anymore. You know, at this age, you're not bouncing back quite as well, uh, particularly from that kind of injury. So yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm not super confident that it's going to play out well. Um, but I would love to be wrong. Uh, he's been labeled as one of those guys that's going to be the, I think Peter Luvardi has said he's going to be the Flames comeback player of the year. He could totally see it. Uh, Michael Gordy, what are, you, what are your thoughts? What are your ex- expectations uh, for Monaghan this season? Well, you're kind of hoping a guy who put his struggles last season on this injury and the surgery and it, you know, it happened in game six or whatever he said. So you're kind of expecting a bounce back from Monaghan, but you know, he had, I think, just one kind of meaningless tapping goal in the preseason and the preseason. And now he's been just, to me, relatively invisible. Like you said, he's his skating is just not as good as you'd expect it to maybe be with his lower body 100% again. And, and yeah, like he's their supposed top line center and by far is probably the worst top looking six forward. And I think on the radio they're saying he's been practicing with trevor lewis and brad richardson or something like he's borderline a fourth line center in sutter's system at the moment and if yeah if monahan doesn't pick any pick something up soon it's it, it's going to be a long season for him again and the criticisms for him are not going to quiet down and the speculation over his future is just going to ramp up and i i can't imagine that kind of pressure is good for a guy's you know state of mind during a hockey season yeah i completely agree they are he was i guess out on the fourth line and if you think about it i mean lindholm he's playing perfectly fine you're not going to touch him um you know dubay's played pretty well at center backland obviously better defender uh, as we saw in the three on three he's john monahan's not exactly the best defender the flames have getting back uh, michael is it probably are we kind of relegating to the fact that maybe Sean Monaghan is now a bottom six, maybe fourth line type guy for the Flames? I mean, I think it's a conversation we need to have at least. Um, he's never been somebody that's wowed with anything really besides his shooting. But at least going forward now, like I think we really have to understand that like he has to be put in a position where he's going to be out there just firing pucks from just in the low slot there. Because, yeah, like you guys were saying, like his skating – it looks like it's even taken a step back this year from where it's been in the past, which was not particularly good to begin with. Like he won't carry any of the play. So at this point, yeah, I think if you've got other guys like even Dubé at center or if Backlund's playing well and you move him to the top six, like I, 
I think it's a conversation the Flames need to have that he's a third line quality forward at, at best right now that maybe you put in on the power play just because he does have that shot for the most part still but other than that like even strength I wouldn't trust him with anything right now outside of like very basic minutes or like offensive zone only kind of play was anybody surprised he was on that top line in overtime um with Gaudreau out there and uh, I think it was it was Hannafin yeah it was Hannafin I think they were the three that started was anybody surprised there Wait, did he start in that or did Kachuk start? I think it was Kachuk. I think it was. Yeah, you're right. He came out. He was the the second shift that Gaudreau and Hannafin came out. Monaghan was with them. That's what it was. Okay, never mind. I'm surprising myself by making things up. Um, <laughs> so enough with Sean Monaghan. Like top six wise, though, uh, Matty Calgary looks really good this season. Matthew Kachuk seems to have that grit, that edge back to his game um he's got that smirk he's doing things um he's stopping pucks from going into the stands on the bench um andrew mangiapani i think this is his season to show the entire nhl who he is uh your thoughts on calgary's best players so far uh they've been a lot of fun i i'm still not over kachuk trying to stop that puck going over the glass (laughs) it was so dumb and so funny like that might be the best thing I've seen so far this season across the league. Like that was just hilarious. Uh, Michael uh, Gordy, uh, your thoughts on Calgary's top six, Blake Coleman looked really good when he finally got on the ice the other night, Johnny Gaudreau, um, very good against Anaheim, not great against Edmonton, but I don't think any of the flames were, uh, what do you guys like, which have you liked what you've seen so far out of Calgary's top six? Yeah, I know Manjapani scored in that first game, but I thought the second game was where he really stood out. I thought he was by far the best flame every single shift, which I don't know how many times a year you get to say that about anybody. But, I mean, that guy's just a – he's a hound on pucks. He's – him and Dylan Dubé are a really good penalty-killing unit. I like them together. I like them together, even strength too. But, yeah, the rest of the top six is, yeah, like you said, Kachuk with that play – Jumping on the bench showed more personality in that move than, you know, Connor McDavid has shown his in, the, in his entire life. And I just love that. I can't believe people are criticizing him for that. It was a delay of game penalty anyway. Like, it's awesome. But Gaudreau has, had really good speed. Coleman, I like what he's brought so far. Lindholm is the best player for the Flames usually. And, yeah, get Sean Monaghan going and this this could be a different story. Michael, Chuck, putting the stick up, the, the, the puck was going away. It was going to be a delay game one way or another, but at the end of the day, smart play by him, right? Because now it's the bench player takes the penalty, not the guy who dumps it over. So, right? Smart play by Chuck. I mean, yeah. When I was, like, trying to figure out, like, I was really trying to see, like, did he know that if he touched it, he would get the penalty and not back? And, like, I was trying to think, like, did he actually run that all through his head? Or is it just him being like, hey, I'm just going to do this for the hell of it and we'll see what happens? Like, like, even in the NHL, I can't imagine there's enough players that, like, see that happening in real time. Like, that puck was moving at, like, a decent pace. The ability to, like, time up, be like, oh, yeah, that is coming at me, to jump up, smack it with this stick, and actually, like, make contact. And that was, like, a good four or five feet above the glass. Like, I mean, I would like to think he thought it all through like that, but I also just think, like, he, he was doing it regardless of, like, what the actual consequences were of it. So it was really funny when he went to the box and... He was kind of like, I don't know if he was arguing with the ref or the ref was just like, I don't even know what the hell that was, but that's going to be a penalty. Like, it was just outstanding from like top top to bottom. So I, good on him for doing it. And like, at least the Flames will have like one good highlight after the season now. 
we always said as lacrosse officials, which is completely different hockey in a way, but we would be like, if you see something and you don't know what it is and it looks wrong, just call it a legal procedure. Like it's like they had to call something as that went up. And I think, I think Maddie, we're going to use your favorite word. There is, I think it's, it's just chaos. That's all that was, was Kachuk just causing chaos, right? <laughs> which feels like his brand. So like it all makes sense. Yeah. All right, so Calgary, uh, 0-1-1, and they're at the bottom of the Pacific with one point, but two games in, not a big deal. Um, you know, ahead of them, Anaheim, Vancouver, and Seattle have all played four games, but everybody else has played a pretty light schedule. So, um, you know, it's going to be tough if they fall behind Edmonton early. Vancouver, I mean, um, Vegas is, you know, just ahead of Calgary with two points, but they'll eventually get settled in. Um, no worries so far, I think, on my end for the Flames. I would like to see some smarter play, but two games in, um, you know, we can see where they go from here. Their upcoming schedule, if you look down the road, they're at Detroit on Thursday, then the Caps, the Rangers, Devils, Penguins. That's a pretty decent road trip. Then they're home for the Flyers to round out the month of October. Um, any games on that schedule coming up that uh, you guys find semi-interesting? Detroit should be decent because Detroit right now is actually playing pretty good hockey outside of, you know, having what is a 6-2 or 6-3 lead the other night that they they absolutely blew and ended up losing. But, um, you know, Detroit could be a tougher game this season. Uh, what do you guys see out of those four games coming up between uh, Detroit, Washington, the Rangers, uh, five games, Devils, and Penguins? Maddie, you're our Eastern Conference expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I think they're going to be weird. Like, I just – a bunch of those teams, I don't have a great sense of, like, what is going on with them generally. Yeah. like. Detroit is, I think the wheels are going to fall off there at some point, mm-hmm. And I would like to see it happen when they play the flames, but like, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be wild. Uh, the Rangers seem like they don't know what they're doing either. So that'll be same deal. It's going to be, it's going to be a weird trip. I think. I don't know if you heard, but Adam Fox is pretty good. Um, hmm. he, the flames might've had a chance to get him. Uh, <laughs> I heard Gordy groan. Gordy. Um, is it going to be weird for the flames uh, going out East for the first time in a while where they, you know, basically were not basically they were, they were stuck above the border last year. Um, what's it, what do you think the hockey is going to be like seeing teams they haven't seen in a while? Yeah. I'm just excited to see other teams like going off what Mike said, like, why was Edmonton the first game? Like this, we saw enough of them last year, save that for 2022. But last year was the first year they wore the retros, correct? The like full time. Yeah. Yeah. The East coast will have never seen, haven't seen those uniforms since 94 ish. Yeah, it'll just be nice, I think, kind of seeing them out there with like the Red Wings, the the Orange Flyers. Like, I'm I'm excited to see all that. It'll be nice to see Lafreniere, you know, some of these rookies we've never seen before play the Flames. And I'm just, yeah, different teams. That's the big thing. It's no Oilers, no Senators, no Canucks. That's what I thought after watching that first game against Edmonton. I'm like, thank God it's only four games this year and not 10. Like this would be an insufferable 10 game season. Michael, are you excited to watch the Red Wings? Very excited to watch the Red Wings. Always looking forward to watching like the third worst team in hockey. But um, I mean, they've been okay this year so far. I'll give them credit where it's due. Like them and Buffalo are actually looking not bad. But, um, you know, I'm excited to watch a road trip again. I think it'll be nice to see like like Gordy saying a bunch of different teams like relatively back to back. Cause even last year when they had long road trips, it was like three games in one city and you just got tired by like halfway through the second one. So I think it's a road trip where they can kind of gain some ground. Like I think 
you could almost argue all of the games are going to be at least winnable for the Flames if they play kind of like how, how they have been. So we'll see if they can kind of use this trip to kind of bond together and maybe put a few wins in in the win column and get going from there. Yeah, because if you look at it, they don't play another Canadian team until November 11th, and they have a three-game stretch where they're at Montreal, at Toronto, and at Ottawa. So they do have a nice break where they have San Jose, the Rangers, Stars, Preds, Flyers, Penguins, that type of setup. So it's it'll be a nice little mix. And I'm sure for the players, it's got to be nice to like just get out of those you know six cities and move on to somewhere else. So that should be fun. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox. When we come back, we have a couple of reader questions that are diving into rebuilds firing general managers and lo and behold jack eichel is still a topic of conversation when you haven't won a game to start the season so we'll tackle all of that when we come back on the tinderbox get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Michael Gordy. Here this afternoon on a lovely Wednesday afternoon talking Calgary Flames hockey. We kind of rolled through the schedule and talked about how excited we are to see teams like the Devils and Red Wings coming up. Um, we talked about the Flames' slow start, um, a little bit about Sean Monahan, how well the top six is performing. Now we're going to dive into a couple of reader questions. Um, we put it out there the other day, and a lot of it revolves around negativity, I know. I'm going to be surprised that <laughs> Flames fans are negative already two games in. But um, we're going to go to Steve Papp. I love that name. I don't know it's a real name on Twitter. And he asked us what specifically needs to improve to keep the puck out of the net. Some of this is on Markstrom, but at his salary for a few more years, the team needs to get better in front of him. Um, I'll be honest with you. I watched both games front to back, back to front. There's nothing he could have done in Edmonton differently. I think he got shelled in that game. He had no help in front of him. Um, yeah, the softy against Anaheim was bad. But again, I don't think, you know, again, the overtime goal, what's he going to do there? It's a two-on-one. Um, and then the other goal where Manjupani doesn't get back in coverage leads to a breakaway and a goal. I don't think Markstrom's been that bad so far. Am, am I off? Anybody Anybody disagree or agree? No, I agree. I really haven't had any major complaints about his play. It's He's uh, he's had some, some tough workloads to deal with here so um i'm not worried just yet i mean i kind of look at it i go back to my that one of my season previews that day with that line from batman where the joker's plastic surgeon goes but you see what i have to work with like what markstrom has in front of him uh gordy uh markstrom not bad so far right yeah i for sure i don't think keeping the pucks out of the net has been a problem so far connor mcdavid's a different beast i don't know how many guys are hitting that, you know, not strong side one time or off that. The first goal he scored where it got blocked and bounced to him, like he drilled that top shelf on a unconventional one-timer. And, yeah, the, the Anaheim game, it's it's three goals. It's a 3-2 league. The Flames only scored two. Like I, I don't think it's anything on Markstrom so far, but we haven't really touched on the defense yet. And I think Nikita Zadorov so far has easily been the Flames' worst defenseman and – by proxy, he's turned their best defenseman, which is Chris Tanev, 
into having not so not that great of a season so far either. I think he's trying to cover for him. He's trying to do some stuff. And so if there are defensive problems this year and keeping the pucks out of the net, I think it's going to start with those six guys rather than the two big guys they're going to put in net these games. Yeah, 100%. And also, if it makes you feel any better, during that game, they mentioned it a thousand times. McDavid spent like the entire summer working on that one timer <laughs> from that angle. So good luck to the rest of the NHL. <laughs> Um, Michael, uh, the Flames defense in front of Markstrom obviously hasn't been great. Um, I don't think Oliver Shillington did anything that horrible the other night to warrant three minutes and 27 seconds on the ice where Goodbranson and Zadorov had a combined, I think, 34 minutes of ice time out there. Uh, <laughs> Maddie's eyes just rolled by the back of her head. We just make you good. You OK over there? <laughs> I don't Maddie. like it. <laughs> Maddie looked like she was having a stroke. We just want to make sure you're good. Um yeah, uh, good Branson. I don't have a ton of issues with as of now. Right now, um, I'm not real thrilled with Zadorov. I, I I know he's heavy on the puck. He's he's a big body. He throws checks. But uh, Michael Flames defense um, definitely been the liability with Markstrom, right? Yeah, like on one hand, I think the defense has been all right. Like I don't think they've given up a ton of chances. It's just like when they've given up like the dangerous chances, it's been like very dangerous chances that Markstrom had no chance on. Um, in terms of like Zadorov and Gabranson, like I think I tweeted this yesterday, but it's like I've actually liked Gabranson more than Zadorov so far, but I think I would still like Shillington far more than either of them. So at this point, I really don't understand what direction the Flames are kind of going with. Like Gabranson, he's been fine so far, which has been shocking to me because I expected him to be like fully off the rails. Like we saw that even in preseason where he just couldn't even like really felt like he couldn't even make a pass or something to get out of the zone with just like how poor his play was. But at least so far, like like you guys were saying, like Zadorov's dragging down Tanov at this point. And I I really don't know how they fix that because I don't think it's a fixable thing with the coaching style they have. Like I think he's gonna keep his big boys in the lineup. And unfortunately we're just seeing now guys like Shillington, even like God and just they're not getting any chances anymore because of these big guys who really aren't adding anything to the team right now yeah 100 percent, i agree and i think it's also tough to throw out you know you'd have to mix and match guys and move around if you want to get valamaki and shillington in the lineup but i think i think shillington's been honestly fine in the the whole three and a half minutes he played the other night i didn't see a big issue with him at all and i love sutter's quote the other day about how like they asked him about the game putting pucks in the net what and he goes yeah and it was you know some of the people out there as well well it's like duh you're the one who puts the people out there you know it's like come on buddy and and honestly i think i said to somebody the other day i was like picking between good branson and zadorov is like you know picking the best looking person at the ugly person contest like you're not winning at all in that situation um angela murphy on facebook wants to know and he's seriously he's very serious about this why are the Flames doing everything they can to avoid a rebuild? Um, I mean, I can take a stab at this if anybody else wants to hop in, but I think off the top, you don't bring in Daryl Sutter and have Matthew Kachuk, Elias Lindholm, get Blake Coleman, have Jacob Markstrom, have Noah Hannafin, have Chris Tanov, and all those players to rebuild. You can't do that. If you're going to do that, you've got to strip that down and trade every single one of those players. Um does that make sense? Is that the reason why the Flames aren't in a rebuild? Are they trying to squeeze the last bit they can out of the Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm setup? I think that's half of it. The hockey side, for sure. The Flames are too good to rebuild, I guess you could say. But the other side is the unfortunate side, which is that hockey's a business. And these past two years, the Calgary Flames have lost a lot of money from lost revenues. 
and you know rebuilding people don't come to the games as much you're not as invested you don't watch it on tv and with this you know this new arena deal that they're you know absolutely struggling every minute of every day to keep afloat if you rebuild the team and you burn it down and you lose more money like that's just that's just not going to happen so i think from the business side of just a rebuild just won't happen during covid for i think like nobody wants to rebuild during you know these flat cap years and such so you know whether or not they should rebuild is a separate question i think from what we've kind of touched on which is you know can they which is just yeah. no it's it's classic flames too too good to to rebuild but too bad to compete <laughs> pretty much maddie you were gonna hop in you had something yeah to say. no i was just gonna say like look at the attendance numbers in buffalo and ottawa that we've been seeing to start the season i think they're pulling like seven eight thousand people into these buildings and you know that's kind of what happens when you know like them they've sort of committed to a rebuild yeah. but yeah it's uh it's tough yeah uh michael another question why haven't they fired true living after our dismal effort on the ice year after year um is it is it a question of fire the gm is it a is the gm the problem is it the guys on the ice is it a little bit of both well i think it's kind of almost like right off of that first question, especially with what Gordy said about the um, the dollars and cents is what it basically comes down to is that, like he said, ownership knows that this core is going to always kind of make money for the team. Like they're going to sell Kachuk jerseys. They're going to sell Gaudreau jerseys. And because of that, they don't want to rebuild because of that. And then also if you're Bradtree living, you're fighting to save your job. So you're not going to be like, you're not going to go to management and say, Hey, I want to rebuild because chances are you're not going to be the one doing that. So with both kind of management stuck in the, we need to make money, we need to have a decent team thing. And then tree living is like, again, like I said, he's not going to go and ask for a rebuild because he's not going to be the one that's going to be allowed to stick around to do it. Like, I just think yeah. like we kind of said, they're all kind of stuck in that one tough spot where it's like, they probably do need a rebuild, like from a hockey perspective, but just every other thing is kind of stacked against them doing that right now. And unfortunately, yeah, and it's probably going to cost them getting like Gaudreau or something or getting something for Gaudreau if they decide to trade him or something. Yeah, 100%. And if you're a GM and you ask the owner for a rebuild, you're admitting you failed. Everything you've done over the last five, six years has been a waste. Um, one more question. Uh, does Trey need to pull the trigger on a risky move to make some good change, i.e. Jack Eichel? Um, and I've, you see it every day. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about Twitter is watching the chicken little, the sky is falling um, after two games. Um, uh, Michael, Gordy, Maddie, anybody, uh, is Jack Eichel really the answer? Because we know, like we discussed last time, he may not even play this year. Like, so if you trade pieces and parts for Eichel right now, you could be setting yourself back for this year, right? Yeah, potentially. Um, I still think like, for me, it comes down to, like, if Jack Eichel is available to you, like, you should pull the trigger on that because he's just an unreal player. Um, but if you're looking, in the, at least in the short term for this season, like, I don't know how much it moves the needle for you. But um, I still would like to see them in on him if they're able to be. Well, but right now, if you're Jack Eichel and watching Buffalo, you're like, well, maybe it's not so bad in Buffalo. Michael, Gordy? Is it time to pull the trigger on a big move? Or do they have to do something to shake the team up two games into the season? <laughs> Which sounds yes. ridiculous in its own right. <laughs> it, it's about right that all the questions we got were just end-of-the-world questions through <laughs> two games. That's about right. That's what I expected. <laughs> 
Uh, Michael, you got a thought on that? Does Calgary now have to burn it all down two games into the season? Oh yeah, totally. Like let's let's totally go nuts on two games where they got like PDO'd pretty hard, and then didn't then they and then they probably should have had at least two points, maybe not even like three. Like it's just, I love the end of the world, like doomsday things going on, but like no, just just no. As much as I want Eichel, like if you're getting Eichel, you might as well sell Gaudreau at that point because Eichel's like you said, is probably not playing most of the season anyway, so they're gonna be a bad team. So if you want Eichel, just tear what you can of this core down and then start kind of fresh with like Kachuk, Lindholm, Eichel next year. I wouldn't hate that, but like, let's just relax. It's two games where they played decently well against decent teams. Like I I, I said, at least personally, I'm giving the team like 30 games before I really panic one way or the other. So let's just relax a bit. Well, listen, Eichel could have stopped McDavid from getting five points the other night. He would have been out there on the penalty kill and stopped both those goals. He would have, he would have flew past Manjupani and saved Good Branson the other night against Anaheim on the breakaway. You know, it's, it's he would have stopped that first soft goal. It's just Eichel saves all; he solves all the problems. That's just how it works. We we know that by now. Um, so that's all we got for reader questions. Um, boy, I sure hope the Flames don't lose three out of four on this road trip. Or the next <laughs> podcast full of reader questions will be awesome. Like, <laughs> so, um, anybody have anything before we want to uh, head out of here? Uh, Matt, you got anything? Oh, I, have one, I have one thing, and it's by far the biggest news this offseason. Couldn't believe it when I saw it, but the Toronto Maple Leafs from last year to this year changed from black chin straps to white chin straps, and it looks <laughs> so good. It looks so good. And now that, now that a team has done it, after I put it out there, it makes me even that much matter. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. It looks infinitely better, and the fact that someone's done it now – makes it so much worse. Gordy's <laughs> biggest pet peeve in the NHL is the Flames red helmets with black chin straps. And honestly, it's something they didn't change them, right? It's still black chin strap, I'm oh, guessing. It's so black. Okay. And they've gone to the complete retro red look. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I love that that's go- that's the hill Gordy's going to die on right there is Calgary needs to go to the red chin strap. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. It's just, I think it's awesome that when some team does that, that that's the thing you notice and go towards. I love it. It's awesome. Until, until I see proof otherwise, I'm just going to assume that somebody in that organization read my article and, and that, that started the gears of motion. Yes. Or, or everybody and somebody in the Flames franchise or somebody in that ownership group runs the company that produces black chin straps. <laughs> and that's why the Flames only wear it black. But I love it. That's awesome. So Toronto's changed from. See, that didn't even make any sense that Toronto would have them because they're blue and white. It would make no sense why they would have black chin straps. That's just <laughs> at least the Flames had some black in the uniforms at some point. But Gordy, good on you for pulling that out, <laughs> giving us something positive at the end here. I like uh, it. I saw it on TV and almost cried on the first night they played. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we should start a Twitter poll and then maybe we'll we'll get it onto the Flames. They send, they sometimes tend to listen to the fan base, so maybe we can get them to change it just for you. All right. Anybody else have anything else they want to add before we get out of here? Maddie, I can't beat anything? that. No, can't top that. Michael, you got <laughs> I mean, I did see something kind of breaking-ish news come out while we were on here, but I feel sad bringing it up. It's um, I saw that they put Godin on waivers just now, and that is so dumb, in my opinion, to make room for see, Brad Richardson to come back, I think. 
Well, when they get rid of Gadron, Kachuk, and everybody else, Richardson will be the number one selling jersey in the Flames Pro Shop. So don't worry about it. That's just what that is. That's setting it up. Um, I don't like the idea of Glenn Godden being put on waivers. I think Godden played just fine. He's also, you look at what he's playing with, he's not going to become Wayne Gretzky playing on the fourth line with Calgary, obviously. So not that he's going to become Gretzky anyway. But you're destined to set up to fail as a kid on that that bottom that bottom line. So that's a total bummer. Anybody have a thought on that? About Glenn Godden heading to Stockton? Sad face. <laughs> sad face. Michael? Oh, you uh, just gave Gordy? Yeah, sad face. Yeah, sad face. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Go Flames, go. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Tinderbox. Well, we were doing so well. Gordy got us going on the chin straps, and then we just got brought down with God and being sent down. So... If you like this podcast, uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Just search up the Tinderbox or Matchsticks and Gasoline, and you will find us. Please download us. As they all say, smash that like button. If you find us, follow our podcast, enjoy it. We try to give you at least one a week uh, during the season. Um, you can find us on Twitter at MatchsticksCGY, on the interwebs at www.matchsticksandgasoline.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Matchsticks and Gasoline. And you can find us on Instagram, Matchsticks CGY. Maddie, Michael, Gordy, thank you for coming on. Flames' next game will be Thursday night. It's an early start for you, Calgarians. It's a 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time start as the Flames are in Detroit to play the Red Wings. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time on the Tinderbox.